what's up everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. And today I am so freaking excited to have Tori from her first 100K. Tori, what's up, girl? Hi, many technological issues later, <laughs> we are here. Y'all <laughs> do not understand. We literally were just the living, breathing version of that SpongeBob meme that was like four hours later. Literally, because yeah. going back and forth trying to get this tech up and running. The internet didn't want us to do this, but we're doing it anyway, internet. We're making it happen. Um, thank you so much, Tori, first of all, for making time to to sit and talk to me and just, you know, inspire people with your story and, uh, you know, and your wisdom. For anybody out there who does not know who Tori is and who hasn't heard of her first 100K, Tori, why don't you give them a little bit of an intro uh, snippet about you and your background? Sure. So I'm the founder of Her First 100K, which is a money and career platform for millennial women. I believe I was put on this earth to fight for women's financial rights. So my work's been featured on Good Morning America, CNBC, Forbes, a bunch of other places. And after saving $100,000 at 25, I quit my corporate job to educate women about money full time. And it's been the best thing in the entire world. So yeah, I love love fighting the patriarchy through financial education and just stoked to be here today. I freaking love that. Uh, first of all, tell us about how much you freaking loved your corporate job. Did you just, I actually, I didn't mind my corporate job. Oh. But I was also, I was, I mean, I was biding my time. It was very much a like, no, I love, I like, like, I love this job, but do I want to not make somebody else rich anymore? Yes. I, okay. So I, you, were one of, you were one of those. Cause I often, I hear people say like, I just couldn't wait to get out of that corporate job. And I was just pretty much saving up my money to be able to have enough stashed away to get out. But for you, it wasn't, it wasn't the case. You actually didn't enjoy it, but you wanted to, to have your own thing going. Was it my dream scenario? No. It was there like workplace drama and patriarchal bullshit. Yeah. A hundred percent. But like, you know, was, was everything else great sure yeah, yeah. I had what, a good job, time. What, uh, what job doesn't have all that all that crap anyway all that right. baggage right <laughs> cool all right well let's tell folks a little bit about uh some of your spending habits in the past and also you know in the present if there's anything that you remember buying in the past that you spent a lot of money on but you you just regret it even to this day you wish that you never made that purchase what would that purchase be it was less of something that I bought or more, it was more of a financial decision I made that I ended up regretting. So I took a job in late 2017 for the money. I was able to negotiate $20,000 more than what they wanted to pay me, Ooh. but there were so many red flags. It was so toxic. So I went into the job in like late November, quit 10 weeks later, and then didn't find another job until 10 weeks after that. So I spent 10 weeks unemployed where I was, of course, not only er not earning money, I was spending my emergency fund. And that ended up costing me, oh, gosh, probably at least six to seven thousand dollars. Like that was that was a doozy. So, yeah, just uh, the emotional toll of that, of having a really abusive boss. That was a whole other thing. But, yeah, definitely the financial impact was was something that I had to recover from and spent probably six months rebuilding that emergency fund. That is so big because there's so many people out there, especially women who feel like they just have to go for that job. That's going to pay them the most. And, and I, I learned the hard way that like, for me personally, I can't function that way. There's a lot of people that maybe they do function that way. Maybe they can 
they have the grit to withstand a toxic work environment and just go to work and come back and not have it, you know, decay their whole mental status. Yeah. Um, compartmentalize that. And, right. Yeah. Right. But I think for a lot of other people, we fall in this other bucket of like, no, nah, it's not all about the money. We have to be able to have mental peace, mental health. We have to be able to go to work and actually want to be there even just a little. Um, and I, and it's not always just about the money for me. I kind of learned that that's how I am. Like, I, of course I, I like money. I want to make a lot of money and I want to help people with my money and with my, you know, knowledge of money. But at the same time, I can't just go out there chasing money. Like I, I just, I realize that there's so much more in life than just a dollar sign, you know, on totally. your salary. And, uh, you know, sounds like you learned that too. So yeah, it's a big, big life lesson. Um, cool. What about on the flip side? What is a purchase that you made or an experience that you spent money on a service or, or uh, et cetera, that you spent so much money on? It probably sounds crazy to other people, but you stand firm by your decision because it was a worthwhile purchase and you don't regret it. Um, I go on a friend moon with my best friend every year. So we go on a honeymoon trip as platonic best friends. And it's basically like her and I telling each other how much we love each other and doing yeah honeymoon things like romantic dinners, spas, like all of this crazy stuff. So 2017 was Costa Rica. We took 2018 off. 2019 was Italy. So we did a road trip through Southern Italy, which was amazing. Um, it was like the best 10 days uh, probably of my life. Like it was so much fun. Definitely. And then uh, assuming coronavirus doesn't screw it up, we're supposed to go to Australia and New Zealand for three weeks in late this year, like October, November. So yeah, oh. it's, we ball out. Like we spend, you know, a couple thousand dollars on these trips. We try to do them as much on a budget as we can, but also we just so enjoy the time we spend together and it's just the coolest part of our friendship. And so, yeah. Hashtag friend moon 2020. Look out for I that. I love that. That is so dope. I, I also do really long trips. Like when I do take a big vacation, I'll do like a nine day, 10 day trip or like even a month. Right. I just got back from like a month in Europe for Christmas break and new year's. And I just find like, I don't know for me, I need that time. Like when I come Slow back, travel, I baby. Like, yes, I feel like I'd rather do that than take like nine vacations for three days each. I, I can't, th those are not the type of vacations I like. So I'm with you, girl. Yeah. I'm all about the, the hashtag moons, the friend moons, the honeymoons, all the moons. I do, I do them all. Moons, <laughs> yeah, all the, all the, all the moons. <laughs> yes. I love that. So, okay. Let's get into the juice of this, this, uh, this session, because I know that people out there listening and even watching are probably thinking like, all right, let's get to it. How the hell did she get a hundred thousand dollars at the age of 25? How did yeah. you do it? The first thing I like to acknowledge is that I did have some privilege as part of my story. So I was able to graduate college debt free, not because my parents like had a trust fund for me or because, yeah. you know, they handed me a check, but we very much had a collaborative process into paying for college. So <laughs> I got two to four year degrees in four years. I worked three jobs on campus. I got Ooh. tens of thousands of dollars in merit scholarships. So I was very much contributing to the financial education or uh, excuse me, my, my, education financially, I should say. Yeah. And then I did have some parental financial support. And so that's the first thing I like to acknowledge is that I would not have hit 100k that fast had I not had parents who were able to, to give me some money for college. Um, regardless of that, I mean, I side hustled, that was the first big thing, her first 100k actually started as a side hustle. So I just actually quit to do full time entrepreneurship a couple months ago in late 2019. So this is like, I think month three of full time entrepreneurship for me. Yeah, Amazing. it's so exciting. So yeah, I was always earning money on the side and all of those side hustle earnings could go immediately into a savings account or, you know, a SEP IRA because I was a side hustler. I also had the option of doing what's called a, you know, self-employment IRA. 
Um, so I side hustled a lot. I automated my savings. So I was really focused on paying myself first, having a chunk of my savings automatically go into, or a chunk of my paycheck automatically go into savings without me having to think about it. So probably at the epitome of my savings journey, I was saving all the money for my side hustle. And then I was saving 27% of my take home pay. Um, and even in Seattle living alone, like I was able to do that. Um, because the third thing I did was negotiate my salary. So I was able to, get at least 10% more in every job I've ever held, including, you know, $20,000 more in that unfortunate three month (laughs) period. But I was also, I was always really committed to making sure that I was getting paid what I was worth. And I help other people do that now with negotiation, coaching and workshops. Um, And then I invested really early. So I started my Roth IRA when I was 21. And uh, obviously we're in, we're in some economic instability right now, but you know, the past couple of years of me saving, we had a really, really good bull market, which helped me a lot in, in progressing towards uh, my hundred K. And then I actually hit it nine months early. So the joke was always, if I could save a hundred K before I turned 26, it still counted. And yeah, I hit it the day before I left on friend moon in 2019. Wow. That is crazy. Okay. So wait, so there's two things that I want to kind of like pull from that story. First of all, is starting to invest early in a Roth IRA at 21. That is just yeah. insane. Like, first of all, how did you, like, did your parents tell you to do that? Did you read up about it? Like you're 21 years old. The last thing you're thinking about is retirement investing. How did you decide right. a Roth IRA was what you needed to be doing? Yeah. So I was lucky enough to have a really great financial education from my parents. Mm-hmm. I just started my first business when I was nine years old. I like have been very financially minded and I was lucky enough to have parents who, who coached me through that. And I realized, of course, when I graduated college, that's part of why I founded her first hundred K was realizing that that unfortunately was a privilege. And with that privilege came the responsibility for me to go out and spread that, spread that guidance and advice. So yeah, we very much had a conversation when I was starting my first job at 21 after college of like, Hey, we're going to open up a retirement account. And at my first job, I couldn't open up a 401k through them until I was there a year. So I wasn't going to wait a year. I was going to make sure to open something else. So hence Roth IRA. That is amazing. Oh my goodness. I, first of all, I just think one, yes, you're so lucky to have your parents, but two, do you know how many times people's parents will tell them this is what you need to do? And they don't listen. Like, like they just like, nah, mom, nah, dad, like you don't get it. I'm 21. You know? And the fact that you sat there, you were like, yep, you know what? I'm going to do what mom and dad are telling me to do. I'm going to follow these steps. Like, even though it sucks to take a chunk of my money that I'm earning and put it into a Roth IRA, I'm going to do it. Like, I think of 65 year old me and 65 year old me is like, she's living in Palm beach. She drinks Chardonnay with lunch and she flirts with her Pilates instructor named Luca. Like she has the best life because 21 year old me, 24 year old me, 30 year old me, right. Put in some work and I'm not, you know, I'm still going to Italy. I'm still living alone in Seattle. I'm still doing things I want to do as someone in their twenties. And also I'm thinking about cute little 65 year old me. Who's got like a dope ass handbag who just wants to live her best life. And so she can't live her best life unless I put in some work right now. So that's that's always what I think of. And that's what I have clients think of as well is like literally journal about like 65 year old you. She's so cute. She's loving life because you were able to put in the work early. That is so true. There's something that I always say to the students that I work with. Sometimes I work with teenagers in high school settings or college students. Mm-hmm. And they're always saying to me, like, you know, I just can't like, that's just, that's, I'm going to be old by then. Like, I'm going to, I'm like, 
let me tell you something. When you are 70, that is still you. That's that person at 70 is still the same person that you are right now. The only thing right. that's changing is your physical body is getting a little older, your brain, your experiences, your way, everything that you have inside you is still, that's you. It's just in the future. So you, if you care about yourself right now, you have to care about that 60, 70 year old person because that's you. You have to care about you just as much then as you do now. And it, right. it's just, you know, sometimes it's harder for younger people to actually imagine themselves at an older age. Um, Okay, so I want to definitely talk about how you established uh, her first 100K and how you kind of decided to grow it. But I, before I jump into her first 100K and the origin story, I want to know a little bit more about even just one or two of the main tips that you share with women who are listening out there or even guys who are listening out there who maybe struggle with this idea that you mentioned about negotiating for what you think that you are worth at a yeah. particular job that you're working at. How do, like What are maybe one or two things that you recommend people do if they're at a place where they're like, I can't do that. I can't ask for more money or, you know, I don't think that's going to be that I'm going to be successful in that. Yeah, I'll give two mindset switches. So the first is that negotiations are collaborations, not conflicts. Mm -hmm. So too many of us go into negotiations thinking I'm going to have to fight to the death, right? I'm going to have to like unsheath my sword and put on my boxing gloves and like right. fight to the death, right? And that's not a negotiation. That's a fight. That's an argument. That's not a compromise or, you know, a collaboration. Right. You and your potential boss or boss are not on opposing teams. You're on the same team. You're on the same team trying to solve this problem, which is you not being compensated fairly. Mm -hmm. So you have to come at it with that collaborative mindset of problem solving of like, hey, let's work together to figure this out rather than yeah, feeling like you're going to have to fight to the death over it. Love the second that. thing I'll say, especially for women, especially for people of color, we've been told our entire lives, right, that that you have to just accept what you've been given and just be grateful for it and just kind of sit down and shut up. Right. And so. <laughs> the number one thing I hear from women and my clients and people who take my workshops is they go, okay, what if I lose the job by negotiating? Or what if I mm -hmm. lose the client by asking for more? Mm -hmm. I need you to know you will not lose the job or the opportunity by negotiating. You, right. It just doesn't happen. And God forbid, if it does happen, the company is actually doing you a favor. They're not a company you want to work for. That is a huge red flag. If they're not willing to have a conversation with you about your value, they will not see your value during your entire tenure of employment there. That's right. So That's they're right. really doing you a favor if for whatever reason they decide that you're being crazy by you know, the audacity of you having a conversation about what you're worth. So negotiations so are collaborations, not conflicts. And please keep in mind that you won't lose the opportunity by advocating for yourself. That's a great point. And honestly, um, you know, that fear of failure is probably what stops people from making a lot of moves that they know that they're supposed totally. to Totally. You know, like, it's like, it's just that rejection. They don't want to put themselves in a position to be rejected. That can, that can be financially, that can be in relationships, that can be, you know, in so many different uh, facets. It's vulnerability, right? Exactly. It's, it's being willing exactly. to be vulnerable and hearing no or hearing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not now or you know, having somebody react poorly to it, you're not in control of whatever anybody else says or does. Of course, you're in control of, of how you present yourself and, and the, your thoughts and feelings. And, yeah. and I think the world needs more vulnerability, both just in general, right. But yeah. also for yourself, like my, I mean, we'll probably talk about this. Like the reason my business was able to grow in the way it did is because I was vulnerable and kept pitching myself and kept showing up in places where maybe, you know, somebody like me wasn't. And I said, you know, I could come to them and say, you need somebody like me talking about this. You need somebody as part of this conversation. And that takes some vulnerability. I heard so many no's, but did I get a yes from Good Morning America? Yeah. You know, did I right. get no's from a bunch of other places too in that process? Yes, right. as well. Right. 
That is awesome. I honestly, I feel like that's the one thing that I have learned in my 20s, in my late 20s and early 30s that I didn't have in my early 20s was just that like that extra confidence to just go right. in. Even if you're not sure it's going to work out, what the hell does it matter? The worst thing that can happen is they say no. They say no. Big that's deal. what I say all the time. Yeah. Big I have deal, a theater right? background. So I majored in theater in college and like I heard no mm -hmm. again, I heard no 99 times before I heard a yes. And so it made me really resilient and it made me able to yeah keep pitching myself and keep understanding that like, okay, it's, it doesn't mean it's, it doesn't mean I'm not worthy of this. It doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not ready. It's just, it's just a no. And it's just one no, right? And then you can right. hear all these no's, but then you'll hear one yes. And that's, mm -hmm. that's all you need, right? Yep. I love that. Okay. So yes, do talk a little bit now about her first hundred K. How did you decide to get to that point? Like what was it, what sparked in you that just said, you know what, I'm going to make this like a whole thing. Like I'm going to offer yeah. this to other people and I'm going to make this, uh, you know, a, a platform, a project. Yeah. So when I graduated college with the financial education I had, I thought, okay, everybody knows not to overspend on credit cards and everybody knows mm -hmm. to negotiate their salary. And of course I realized that that wasn't the case. And I was yep. the friend all of my female friends were coming to for advice and guidance. And so really after the 2016 election, after me kind of coming into adulthood during that time, I realized that again, we're at a severe disadvantage when it comes to managing our money and understanding how to invest and understanding that, you know, there's a lot of credit card companies that are predatory, especially towards women. And so I really felt a responsibility. I felt like I have the tools and the guidance and I, I feel like I have an interesting perspective to talk about it in terms of like having a financial education as a form of protest. Um, right. Because I think having funds means having freedom, right? When you start mm -hmm. giving women more money, you realize that, they can start changing the world, right? They, they can buy houses and they can have children if they want and they can start businesses and donate to causes they believe in and get out of toxic situations they don't want to be in anymore, right? And that starts completely shifting not only yes. personal lives, but communities and, and countries and eventually the world, you know? So I don't think we have any sort of equality for marginalized groups until we have financial equality. And so Ooh. if we can get, again, more money into more women's hands everything yes. can start changing. So I started her first hundred K as a blog originally, and then it kind of transitioned in early 2019 into her first hundred K, um, based upon, upon, of course, my journey to save a hundred thousand dollars. And I mean, it just kind of took off from there. 2019 was a blockbuster year for me, had all of these press hits, hit my hundred K, quit my job. Um, and yeah, like I said, I'm in like month three or four of full-time entrepreneurship since, since taking this, this full time. That is incredible. Okay, so what does full entrepreneurship mean for somebody who is running a so, so coaching, right? You do coaching. It's coaching. It's speaking. I mean, I, I always joke I have like eight or ten sources of revenue. So <laughs> Good, like, I, I, have, I have so many different revenue streams. So I act as a spokesperson from, for some financial brands. Yeah, I'm speaking yep. at conferences and at corporations and at women's events all over, well, all over the world now. Um, doing coaching, doing courses, doing workshops, uh, pretty much anything related to money, I'm probably I'm probably doing something around it. So that yeah. is incredible. And I'm talking, of course, about personal finance, but really in the coming months, I'm also talking about how to build an online business. So I was able to build her first hundred K on the side of my nine to five and and got to the point where I was out earning my nine to five income. Like I made, I made $30,000 in January of this year, just from her first hundred K alone. Like I was, I was, you know, able to grow this business and I want to teach other people how to do the same. Like, I, I don't want you to make somebody else rich anymore. I want you to make yourself rich. 
I love that. I love that. Make yourself rich, not somebody else. I always talk about that, but in a, in a slightly different context because the community that I grew up in is like you know, low income immigrant kids and a yeah. lot of first gen. And you know, we would go to school, and the thing that mattered the most that made you popular was what you were wearing. You know, right. did you have Jordans on? Did you have Nikes? Did you have a, a backpack with a name brand, a North Face coat? Like, what were the brand names that you were sporting? Mm -hmm. Because that's what made you popular. And now when I talk to kids and youth, especially urban youth, I tell them, what does it matter what brand name you got on? What you're doing is making someone else richer when you spend $500 on a Gucci belt when you don't even have enough money for lunch today. Like that, it doesn't make sense. And like, yeah. you have to get yourself to the point where spending $500 on a Gucci belt is nothing and then you can do it. But like doing that right now when you're struggling financially literally doesn't make any sense. And I think that's sort of that idea that like we have to shift our mindsets of making ourselves rich, not making other people rich in a lot of ways, right? Rich means money, but it also means making yourself rich spiritually, making well, yourself it means rich freedom. knowledge. It means making yourself rich with freedom and, and right. choice and independence. Like you should be able to do what you want with your time and your money. And, and that is literally what this is all about when we talk about personal finance and financial empowerment. So I love that. I cannot snap enough. My fingers are like, <laughs> snap, snap, snap. Never said that. Uh, okay, awesome. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about how people can find you, can can work with you. Like I know a lot of people that are gonna be listening to this are just gonna be so inspired by your story. Like, first of all, you're a badass, like your 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 energy is so eclectic. It's it, it, your energy is so electric that I feel like people it could are be just eclectic gonna be too. Like that's it could great. Be electric, <laughs> eclectic, it could be all the things. But yeah, no, I think like that your energy is just is so magnetic. I think it, it probably is gonna inspire so many people to feel motivated to to inspire change. Um Thanks, so what if they want to reach out to you and let you know that they inspired you? How do they do that? Yeah, so I'm her first hundred K on all of the socials h-e-r-f-i-r-s-t 100k and that's my website herfirst100k.com i always like to say i'm way cooler on instagram i talk about money i also talk about my love of fried chicken and timothee chalamet um so come slide in my dms ask me your money questions come say hi i would i would love to love to see you around these parts Sorry, i um i love that first of all yes whenever i follow you on instagram i always get a good ass laugh like i remember the, the most recent time i was just literally dying <laughs> out laughing was when you were talking about how your ex-boyfriend was using your points and you were using his points uh -huh. and you just caught each other uh -huh. because one person was using points you were using the points like who's using each other my oh, joke was always <laughs> yeah he he called me fat while we were dating which oh, was uh yeah no and so occasionally i will also say i will occasionally give him points like i I will enter his number, you know, to get a discount for me, which gives him gas points. And That's then occasionally right. I steal them and we are in no contact at all. And I think he somehow saw that. And oh, then man. I went to Safeway and like bought a bunch of stuff because of Corona. Oh. I racked up a bunch of points and then I checked and there was no points there. And I was like, where my points at? Where my points at? <laughs> and so many people like slid into my DMs and they were like karma. And I was like, no, but like I didn't call him fat. Like, right. What did I do? Thing. What did I do besides get a little discount and give him points? Hello. You, when you did something, you were helping each other out. When he did something, he was not helping anybody. So I, I disagree with them. I agree with you. They're wrong. Maybe it was an issue with the system. Maybe I didn't actually get points or maybe he stole them. Who knows? There's an equal likelihood for both of those scenarios. Uh -huh. True. Yeah. <laughs> All right, love. Well, I got one last question for you. And this is my favorite part of the show, which is to get a money mantra or a money message or money motto from you that you would put on every single dollar bill. So we're going to wipe away George Washington's old behind face and put yours on there. We're going to put, instead of the United States of America, we're going to wipe that off. Sorry. Sorry, USA. And we're going to put another uh, money motto that so everybody who touches money and transacts with money will see this. 
what would that message be? Having a financial education is a woman's best form of protest. Yes. Oh, I need to play that. Uh, I need to play a little clip from Hamilton. Work. Mm-hmm. Yes. I yep. love, 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 love that. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to share the, the dollar bill with you. I can't wait to tag you in this and share this with oh, everybody. You're freaking phenomenal. Keep doing all the badass things that you're doing. Right back at you. Thank you for, uh, you know, I am, I am a white woman and I try to serve all the communities I can. And I feel like there are so many amazing women of color who are, who are also talking about these things with their own unique perspectives, which is so valuable and so needed. So I just, I so appreciate you and and so many other women like showing up in those communities. So I so just so appreciate your work too. Love that and appreciate you. Thank you for being on the show and have a great rest of your day, love. Thank you. You too.